Meditation as a matchmaker had been launched. Since then, many new money American girls, cold-shouldered by the rigid social hierarchy of Knickerbocker, New York, had found their way to London and Belinda's modest house on Barclay Street, hoping to follow in Margaret Harlow's footsteps. Rosalie, now done with French finishing school, was here to do the same. But Belinda feared she would prove more difficult to match with a good man than her sensible sister. Belinda placed her teacup back in its saucer as she considered what her reply to Rosalie should be, though she was a widow now and very grateful for the fact. She was also well aware that the only way for girls like Rosalie to achieve social acceptance was through matrimony. She wanted to prepare these girls for the practicalities of husband hunting without destroying any of their romantic ideals in the process. And Rosalie was a girl stuffed to the brim with romantic ideals. Sir William may not be the most exciting of men, she said after a moment, but my dear Rosalie, there is so much more to a happy marriage than excitement. Yes, but shouldn't marriage be based on love? And, Rosalie rushed on as if afraid Belinda would disagree, how can there be love if there is no excitement? To love is to burn, to feel as if one is on fire. Sir William, she added with another sigh, does not set me on fire. Before Belinda could point out the dangers inherent in such thinking, Jervis entered the room. The Marquis of Troopridge has come to call, my lady, the butler informed her. Shall I show him in? Troobridge? she echoed in astonishment. She did not know the Marquis except by reputation, and that reputation hardly impelled her to make his acquaintance. Troobridge, the son of the Duke of Lansdowne, was well known as a rakehell a man who spent most of his time gallivanting about Paris, spending his income on drink, gaming tables, and women of low moral character. He was also a friend of her late husband's brother, Jack, and that fact gave her even less desire to make his acquaintance. Jack Featherston was as wild as his brother had been, and both men had done plenty of carousing with Trowbridge on the other side of the channel. Belinda wasn't surprised Trubridge would break rules of etiquette and call upon a woman with whom he was not acquainted, but she couldn't imagine his reason. Trubridge was a confirmed bachelor, and such men avoided Belinda as if she had the plague. Still, whatever his reason for coming to see her, she had no interest in finding out what it was. Jervis, please tell the Marquis I am not at home. Very good, my lady. Jervis withdrew, and Belinda prepared to return to the subject at hand. Do not dismiss Sir William so quickly, Rosalie. He is quite well placed in Her Majesty's government. His knighthood was granted due to his excellent diplomatic skills over some tricky business in Ceylon. Ceylon? Rosalie looked a bit alarmed. If I were to marry Sir William... Would I have to live in foreign places?
The fact that she lived in a foreign place now, and a hotel at that, didn't seem to bother her. But Belinda fully understood the reasons for her concern. Possibly, she was forced to concede, but such posts are seldom for long, and they are an excellent opportunity for someone of your position to make an impression. A good diplomatic hostess is welcomed everywhere. I don't want to live in Ceylon. I want to live in England. Does Sir William have an estate? Not at present, but if he were to marry, I'm sure he could be persuaded to purchase such a property. Still, it's far too early to think of that now. The point is that he's a very nice young man, well-mannered and well-bred, and— A discreet cough interrupted her, and she found her butler once again in the doorway.